Hey listeners, Hannah here. We got some exciting news. We launched a Patreon. We're releasing some amazing creative, but most importantly, exclusive drops that you don't want to miss out on. We got a great lineup of special video making tips, PDF guides, bonus exercises, things that we just can't give away through the audio airways. If you want to join our Patreon and get an all-access pass to our exclusive 2023 summer drops, our link will be in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hannah one. Claire two. Jen three. Lolly four. We are super stoked today because we have a special guest joining us for a roundtable discussion. It's a friend that you may have heard of before. It's a friend that we've had at our dance cinema events. And it's someone that is actually going to offer a special tool outside this episode for you as well. It's none other than the wonderful, the singular, Lolly. (laughs) Thanks for that epic introduction. Yeah, we're so stoked to have you on the show. And we're really, you know, excited to have our audience experience a even if it's not in person, get to experience some of what you offer. But um, before we get into that, what's your background? What led you to where you are right now? Yeah, I got a degree in dance. So I'm a dancer first. And so my journey in dance intersected with Pilates, which led me to somatic coaching which led me to where I am now which is this intersection of art and dance and somatic coaching um so my undergraduate degree was in Minnesota and then I moved to Los Angeles and I love California so I've been here ever since um and I'm currently just intersecting all of my passions together uh in one one lane that includes art dance and somatic coaching. And California is actually where we crossed paths way back when at Los Angeles Dance Film Festival at the Los Feliz Theater. And I remember just having this instant connection with you. You were already such a multifaceted person. I was just loving hearing about all the projects you're doing. And it's been so cool to see you evolve over time and see that, you know, none of these have... Um, dropped off in any ways. You're you're almost like this alive entity that's just evolving, and it's really amazing how you can do so many different things that still manage to connect. And they actually have connected with my life too. Like I actually love when I take your somatic lessons and your Pilates classes, like even virtually, even though I live across the country. I wear your lollipop culture design like crewnecks, and they're some of my favorite stuff to wear. And it just all ties in with your philosophy. So I'm really excited today to like not just have us highlight all the cool things you're doing as an entrepreneur and as an artist, but also experience it in the second segment of the show. I also really loved how from a producer perspective at Dance Cinema, it's been amazing to have you at our events to contribute, not just to deliver a plug and say like you know follow me on Instagram you've actually added to the experience in a way that I haven't felt at other festivals and that's not a detriment to other festivals it's just that 
we collectively, even like the four of us, after Mm -hmm. years of collaborating and feedback on how do we make something special? How do we make something different or unique? How do we design a viewing experience created for dance and about the body and to feel more in our body? And you've been such a great collaborator in, and not just the collaborator, the lead in making that happen. So, you know, the end of the episode today, we'll kind of have an example or like a translation of that so that people at home can maybe listen to that and experience it. But, you know, before we get into the, the deep waters of all that material, let's uh, keep it a little shallow <laughs> and a little light here at first. Um, and I just want, you know, as a way to, you know, for the four of us even, um, just to kind of look back from this perspective, from a somatic perspective, from more of a sensory-driven and bodily-driven perspective, different things about episodes we've covered or films we've seen or things about the festival experience. So, Hannah, like, even looking at different topics we've covered over Frameform, what are different elements that kind of pull you more into a bodily experience? Or, like, are there any films that you really enjoy where you're like, I feel like I am this person or I am this creature? Or, of course, vice versa, where we're just so pulled out of it. (laughs) Where it's like, I'm very aware I'm in a theater and I need to pee and I'm waiting for the credits. (laughs) It's funny because... There's definitely movies out there that definitely bring me that, what you're saying, bodily experience, or we could say the, if we look at uh, film theory, the watching the shadows being portrayed on the wall and being encapsulated in what we're watching and almost being a part of it ourselves. And for dance movies that we've maybe discussed, or if I've experience in theater it's always been the ones that just have the most amount of cuts to be honest and yeah that definitely plays attention to itself that it is a movie but those are the moments where I feel at most ease that my eyes are being entertained or I'm feeling the music through that rhythmic experience through multiple images and I I don't know what it is. I just start getting that heightened emotion of just tension and release at the same time. And that is my personal bodily experience when watching these dance films. And I may not feel the actual movement in my body that the dancer is portraying, but it's just the construction of it that makes me feel so alive and happy that we have films like this that exist. Yeah. And I think that an added component of that is, you know, having dedicated spaces where you can take in these films and can kind of take them in on their own terms. Um, I know I use the phrase kinesthetic empathy is very important. um, And I actually uh, would love to point our listeners to a fantastic study conducted by Karen Wood that actually looked at um, the audience experience through corporeal knowledge and empathetic viewing. And that sense is really heightened when you do have, when you are kind of a captive audience in a way, where you are in like in a space in community with lots of different people in, um, in, in a theater having this shared experience. Now there are different things that can affect that experience. I know, personally that whenever um, I go to festivals I think that 
if I do have uh, criticism with the way that a lot of festivals are run, it's often that the programming is just so packed, just so packed back to back to back to back screenings that you really are just being overwhelmed with information. And that was something that really was, you know, wonderful, Lolly, about having you in the last two years at uh, Capitol, almost like having space carved to reorient yourself and recenter yourself and recenter what you, like how you're receiving your environment. That was just so, that really was a light bulb moment. A game changer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to credit all of you for that because it's very much something that I think was collaboratively uh, realized, you know, even from just going to different festivals. And part of why, you know, we get into different projects is maybe we think we can do things differently or more to our liking or offer something that's an alternative. And part of what has made that possible is, you know, us us right here and, you know, others that have contributed over the years. And it it's something really unique that I think is important to, to share. And I just, I'm sorry we, have, we haven't even done it up until this point. You know, I think we mentioned our wrap-up last year and we we're just like, it's so amazing. And, you know, mm-hmm. finally we're doing it. And it's really something that I think can help all viewing experience, but Sometimes what happens when we go to a festival, we have this idea that it has to be jam-packed and it has to be Mm -hmm. like we have to show all the films, otherwise it's not legitimate or it has to be multiple days. And that's been the beauty of being flexible and being nimble here. But I also, I think that that's maybe an important takeaway from this conversation is, you know, allowing space to prioritize viewer experience, especially now that we're post-pandemic and people have had the experience of just being at home and being like, you know, Jabba the Hut mode. And then when we go out, we expect it to be different. We expect something, you know, that we can't experience on our own. Um, and definitely, I think that taking this sort of approach to this particular hybrid art form is the perfect way to do it. Yeah, I think that one of the objectives I initially had with providing a somatic meditation before consuming film was to help non-dancers in their experience of kinesthetic empathy. Um, And then a secondary part of it became like establishing context because one of the things that I am sort of obsessed with in general in culture is like how much everything is a performance and how much assumptions are happening all the time that are not talked about. People go to sporting events and act and behave, generally speaking, a certain way. And everyone just acts like it's normal. And no one says out loud, hey, we're all co-signing to this behavior. It's just like, we're going into this space and we're going to co-sign with this behavior. Uh, I have similar feelings about performance of gender identity, just certain things that become normalized and then are not talked about. And I think that in dance, there are similar spaces that are easier to understand. I'm going into a particular theater where ballet has been performed for a really long time. The consumption of ballet feels and looks a certain way historically, so people step into certain energy 
or certain means of consuming that performance. But I think dance film is so diverse that different festivals have different cultures of consuming the film. And I think that that can lend itself to being really confusing to the audience because it's hard to know exactly like what the, the context is for how to view it. And with dance films that are inherently super dancer-y, I think to non-dancers, they almost tune out of their kinesthetic empathy rather than tune into it because there's an immediate psychological separation of I'm not a dancer, which is why one of my favorite films is Cold Storage because it immediately sort of takes you into a movie scene. And for whatever reason, I feel like viewers tend to bring themselves into the character of a character in a movie, even if the character in the movie is nothing like them, but they'll drop into the character. But if that character is dancing in a way that that person doesn't have access to in their own body, then they might like disassociate from it already and detach. And so by bringing people into their sense of body and their humanness and their ability to connect to what's happening on screen in an empathetic sense because our mirror neurons are doing it whether we're trying to or not um but then also in addition to that kind of just almost like in somatic practices it's like creating a container for safety it's like creating a container for safety in the sense that we all know that we have our own agency to watch the films however we want to watch them and so the somatic meditation isn't to get everyone on the same page it's to get everyone on the page of their own agency to decide and understand that you can kind of like you can sort of disassociate and consume the film intellectually you can dive in in an embodied way and there is no right or wrong but like without calling attention to the fact that those are even choices I think a lot of viewers don't know so that's sort of like where my my headspace is around it that's such an, ins- an important distinction to make and almost like a tool to have is to understand there is that scale of you could be more viewing from a place of your head or viewing from a place of your you know perceived heart or you know from your physical self. I find that when I really enjoy things the most or even if they're uncomfortable and I'm just the most like captivated, it's when there are signs of life. Like there's sweat, there's breathing, there are close-ups that are yeah, making me feel more connected to like something that's very active and it makes a huge difference. And I think that when there's an absence of that, it's really hard to get that emotional investment or to feel like that impact or get really wrapped up in it. Things can just really easily feel kind of sterile. So, you know, from a filmmaker's perspective, if they can learn what sorts of, um, specific shots or movements or choices really connect with an audience and reach through that screen I think they would see you know more more you know I guess success in the sense that they would see more acceptances they would see more um, inclusion in festivals and they would see a better feedback um, from the audience because they'd be like you know I maybe didn't get it 100% in my head but I could feel it in my body Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just adding on to that, just setting up that context is just so important, especially, you know, 
because a lot of screen dance festivals have adopted sort of the film festival model of presentation, but the films themselves, the work themselves is, that's being created is fundamentally different. It's going to you know resonate differently depending on who's watching it. And at least when it comes to programming events, specifically programming events for people with a wide variety of backgrounds, there always seems to be sort of this this dichotomy between people who go to the theater to amplify that connection um, or amplify engagement or those who go to amplify disassociation, who, who just see those films as just pure escapist or even see just dance as pure escapist. And I think that, you know, setting up that context and really setting up that, you know, how that individual is able to sense the films and uh, emphasizing that that sense is, is totally valid. It's not trying to get, like... We're not, we're not all going to have this, even though we all are all in the same space, we're not always going to have like the same experience of what we're watching. And emphasizing that's okay is just such a crucial message to send. It's purely contextual in the end and setting that up for the viewers definitely makes the people think a little bit more too. And I think that's it's what you were saying Claire where it could be passive it could be escapism but knowing that this is also something that you should think about while watching you should notice what you're feeling I think that kind of practice should be addressed more often in these kind of viewing environments it's not like walking into the movie theater and purchasing your ticket and knowing exactly what you're going to get, which you kind of get when you're watching with cold storage. You know, you get that cinematic shot and you know you're going to have possibly a good time. But I think that's something as visual watchers in these smaller environments, we should really gauge and lean into that more. Dancers do have a, you know, it's not... Any strength overplayed is a weakness. Sometimes it's a strength to be able to disassociate um, your mind from your body's experience, but that overplayed can be very problematic. And I think that something, not I think, I know something that I really value about screen dance and dance film and especially people becoming more educated um, in this art form and related art forms is media literacy and understanding that all these choices that go into things and we sometimes take for granted how we view things, um, how we view particular genders or races or types of bodies or certain physical characteristics. There's a dominant visual culture, and, and it depends on each person's upbringing, right? But it's really important for us to become more aware because it is dangerous to become so disassociated from the human experience and so not sensitive to what we see represented by human bodies. And unfortunately, I think with the overwhelm of technology, just the complete onslaught and ever-presence of imagery and humans everywhere, it's just increasingly important for us to reconnect with our inner empathy and remembering you know, that these stories matter and that people are very intricate human beings, even if we can just see them represented as superficial pixels on a screen. Yeah, it makes me think about Zoom um, because honestly, I love Zoom 
and so many people hate it. And a lot of body-centered or movement-oriented people are like, oh my god, I'm so glad to be done with Zoom. It was killing me. Um, But something that I have realized is, for me, Pilates and somatic coaching has been more successful on Zoom than it has on person with my one-on-one coaching clients. And the reasons I feel why, and I have found other people who who agree with me on this, um, there's a few reasons. People tend to be in their own home or at least a place of safety. So if we're addressing traumas in the body, they don't have to come into it. They don't have to drive into an office space and then like navigate all of that energy. They can already be in their own space. And then on top of that, they can or have to take responsibility for what's, what they're feeling in their own body. And they can't rely on my hands-on corrections. I have to guide them through their own hands-on corrections and they synthesize the information more deeply. However, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people who are not in body-centered like conversations on zoom they're in in more like corporate workspaces and because people are conceptualizing it as we're not together it's just pixels on a screen then they behave differently or people of different generations like they perform their their self different they become a facade of themselves and then they blame it on zoom and it's like no we are ontologically all here together if we decide to be (laughs) but I think that the issue is that creating of context which like kind of goes back to the somatic meditation at the beginning of the film festival at the beginning of zoom workshops during the pandemic I would do things to establish the container to like help people be like we are all here together and it completely changes how the zoom room feels in your nervous system because people's nervous systems can still regulate and do via zoom like we are co-regulating beings and i don't believe that just because it's it's like on a digital space that that doesn't still happen we still respond to each other so when we start acting weird because, (laughs) because we're on screen then like people can feel it and it affects the space absolutely absolutely yeah and i I'm personally one of those people who really found freedom taking class on Zoom and, you know, for that you know, for reason that you, your environment is regulated and, you know, the, the cortisol gets down. And it and just heightens the fact that going back to a lot of these spaces just brings back some of the old traumas and some of the old traumas that can't necessarily be worked through in one session. And yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful for Zoom. I'm grateful that you know some classes are still being offered via that um, via that method as well. I think it's an important uh, reality to contend with is that I, I just see COVID as this. I'm paraphrasing, but I called it like an immediate, involuntary, really awkward puberty for the entire world. <laughs> it was just like this, like changes are happening, and a lot of it was kind of inevitable, but it just was accelerated and Mm -hmm. I think that thinking about human interaction on that level is important because things have changed like even you know we're all 90s babies here and you know our social media life is very different now um and our our media life was very different than you know young people experience now as well it used to literally be like 
that stuff's not real. Your online life is one thing, but things are so entwined now that there's no denying that stuff is absolutely quote unquote real. And so to kind of remedy that and say it doesn't all have to be bad real, it doesn't all have to be superficial real is really important. Mm -hmm. Your parasocial life is real. I have a question for you all. I would just be super curious to hear you in one or two sentences describe how experiencing or engaging in a somatic meditation prior to watching dance film affected your experience, either the first or second time, because I did it a little differently each time. So whichever one was more impactful. Um, I, I can't say a specific one but what I can say, how it impacted my viewing experience after listening to you and getting prepped, primed in my body to watch something on screen change the way as I would watch any movie at a space or in the comfort of my home. It's def was definitely was not something passive. I mean, not that I say go to all film festivals and having a passive experience, but something that was a little bit more heightened in my viewing was setting the tone of silence and really taking it in and not just have that, you know, the lights go down, the screen goes on. And there we are. There was a little bit of knowing where I am in this space. I am not just in Washington, D.C. watching a movie. I am here with a bunch of people, a bunch of peers that I actually personally know. And we're having this moment together that we took at the time out of our day to sit through and watch this together. And we're going to feel something that I'm not going to feel anywhere else before. And that definitely helped. That helped really gather a community experience than just, you know, I went to the movie theater and I saw Bullet Train and there was maybe <laughs> two other people in the theater with me. And then I walked out and I just said, that was great. Love Brad Pitt. No, this was more of like, there was something special more involved that I experienced anywhere else. Yeah, in terms of my experience, at least the last two years when I've gone to Capitol, it's usually either the day of or the day after I've taken a red-eye flight uh, to Washington, D.C. And I love you for that. Oh, it's always <laughs> always worth it. It's always worth it. Um, but I'm usually like in that mode of, okay, I've gone from the airport, checked into the hotel, and, you know, really on my, you know, go, 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 task-oriented brain and each time every time I've experienced the meditation or to experience that it's helped slow me down and it really has helped slow me down in a way that yeah as Hannah was mentioning that I'm you know here I am my mind is right here in the present not worried about you know what's what's going to happen how am I getting back tonight or how, where am I getting in this next moment and I feel as a result, when you know watching the programs, I feel that my senses were just so much more open, and I felt like I could breathe in 
to the experience of the films. Yeah, in a in a way that I don't usually get. Like sometimes I'm, you know, I'll just reflect on, you know, after the fi- the films I was like, "Oh yeah, there's that one. Yeah, that, that one with the fish or the the one with the lady in the red dress." And I felt that it was much less of the of the what that I was I was picking out and more of just the the how. Like just how that was um how I was empathizing with the people I was seeing on screen, how I was sympathizing with the people I was seeing on screen. That makes me so happy to hear. And, you know, I'm not surprised, but I'm happy that it's like, oh, I'm not the only one that felt like that experience because it would, it's not as valuable if it's just one person that has that takeaway. But the fact that so many different people were able to share in that, that makes it, you know, that's the goal. So yay, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, For me, I found it was, it had like a dual benefit because as an audience member, as someone watching, it actually, you know, I experienced the effects that you two described. Like it actually placed me more in the present. It allowed me to receive the films in a way I wouldn't have otherwise if I hadn't taken the time to almost transition. Like we think about dance in general, um, but especially and films in general, but especially dance films as this like liminal space or this dream space. And I kind of have experienced you and have imagined or like positioned the program in a way where it's like, you're transitioning us. You're like our guide into the liminal space from the, the busyness of like the real world to take us into that. And that's like the audience perspective and then from you know the person that's running around like organizing the event and trying to make sure everyone's happy and it's worth everyone's time and um you know it's it's the artistic vision that I'd hoped for like it allows it takes some of the pressure off of me to have to be everything for everyone because you get to be that figure of this is the calm spirit guide of the festival that's gonna make all your stress melt away from your shoulders with a few breathing exercises and then you're gonna watch this like you've done the proper work to get your body and mind in the right state so you know I've we've seen it in action a few years in a row and I just am never going back I think that there's for me like I, I wouldn't want to do a dance film screening without that because you know, once you know, you know. <laughs> so with that said, I think that the next segment of the episode will be a, a taste of that, but it's not going to be like being there in the room. But hopefully it's something that we've designed and you in particular have masterminded for them to experience that will hopefully translate to whatever they feel like watching at home. Yeah. I think the coolest part is essentially I feel like I could distill a lot of what all of you said to just it caused you to become present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and I just want to tie it all together and say it's so cool because that's what dance does. <laughs> like this is why I love dance. I mean, I remember being at certain phases of my dance career and dancing just like all day, every day. And and having this thought of like, I wonder if this will be my life always, but like in this moment, living my life this way causes and forces me to be so present. Like when you walk into a dance class, like you, you have to put your phone down. You have to set everything up. You have to set your thoughts down. 
you can't possibly be doing Horton technique and thinking about other stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it draws you into that, like, it, it literally demands that of you. And so I think that the, the dance on film can do that. But it, it, because you could sit in a place of, as Hannah was saying, just like, entertain me, I'm going to, like, zone out, which is fine. Right. But I think in order to like create that context for active participation and being present, this helps with that. Yeah, that's the hardest part with just watching anything in general. We just want to be entertained. We just want to watch YouTube all day and get the dopamine hit that we expected when we pressed played. Same thing in the theater. But it doesn't always work that way we're being challenged when we're watching these films and we do and we we do and should think about them especially when we're at gen screenings there's a Q&A afterwards and those Q&As are really great they're super reflective everyone is sharing and I don't think people could get the same exact thoughts out their mouths if they didn't have something that set them up beforehand to say, hey, take a moment for yourself and then let's watch this together. You're about to experience a lot of things on screen and see how that is going to affect you. Yeah, and I think that, and Karen Wood mentions this in her article, having that space after to reflect and to gauge what everyone's unique experience of what we've just seen is is so important and it helps shift that feeling of someone who may be new to the screen dance form from like how am I supposed to get this to what did I get from this and I think just reflecting on that second question is just so crucial in in any screening space I'm really happy really happy that Capital has you know, and dance cinema in general has carved out that space for it. And really, so many more organizations need to do that, too. Get ready to travel, Lolly. People are going are gonna to start booking you left and right. <laughs> yeah. This, honestly, the thing is, like, the selfish thing to do would be like, hey, hey, keep for me. A but, non-confused, like, make me sign Honestly. <laughs> no, no, no. But the thing is, like, that's so not part of my nature. Like, it's just not who I am. I And I experience this in, in the general dance world and other ethical areas of my life. Like, I think that if it's the right thing, then it should be available to those that are open to receive it. I don't believe in gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. So secrets out. And you're about to experience for yourself uh, an example of what this sort of uh, somatic preparation would sound like. So with that said, grab a glass of water, stretch your legs, and get ready. (laughs) Going to put my microphone down. (laughs) Thank you again so much, Lolly, for making the time to be here today and really bear your, your soul and share your perspective on this. I know that it takes a lot when you have a unique perspective to be like, I think this might sound a little loopy, but I think I know, I think I've got my head straight on this. And I, I think it's important to share. And I think time and time again, um, we just have the most amazing conversations. And it's just a joy to be able to highlight you and share that with our audience today. So thank you. Thank you. I'm super grateful for the three of you. I 
I say this every year and I hope it is received as lovingly as it's intended, but I think we're all so different. We all like and dislike very different things. We come out of the festival with different opinions and thoughts and reactions. And Jen has continued to create a safe container for that. And we all have continued to show up for each other with curiosity and and openness. And I think it's also really cool to witness how we all are growing into our opinions as you like the courage we all have to be like, well, actually, I feel this way um, <laughs> is getting stronger. But the trust and and relationship and foundation we've built beneath it makes it that much easier to do that because we respect each other's opinions and perspectives. So and that makes it more rewarding, too, I must say, like I I actually grow from our conversations and our friendships if you're always around people that agree with you or never offer any pushback or any differing perspective, you never grow. You just are in an echo chamber. And that's, you know, aside from enjoying who you three are, I also appreciate how you've helped shape me and how you help me grow as a person. Because if I never, you know, engage with the outside world, if I never felt safe to be vulnerable and if I never, you know, felt comfortable having dissenting opinions, you know, we wouldn't even really know who each other are. So what a beautiful thing and what a beautiful lesson that you can have really meaningful relationships and friendships with people that you disagree with on topics. And it actually makes it more rewarding. Diversify your friendships. It makes everyone better. <laughs> <laughs> and interesting episodes on podcasts. 100% agree. Lolly, where can people find you? Where can we book you? Tell us everything. I mean, we're going to put it in the show notes, but spill it, spill the beans here. Yes. Please follow me on Instagram at, at Lolly, L-O-L-L-Y, pop, P-O-P, culture, C-U-L-T-U-R-E. And you can find me and all the things at lollipopculture.com. Again, lolly with a Y and then pop culture. And I, at the time of this recording, I'm in the process of merging brands and morphing my identity all into one. And so my website is, is underway, but it, it's going to include all of the layers of booking me for styling, art direction, somatic coaching, Pilates, all the things um, under one umbrella of lollipop culture. So that's the best place to find me. In a comfortable seated position, just begin to shift your awareness into your body. I'm going to guide you through a somatic meditation in order to heighten your interoception or internal sensory experience in order to increase your sense of kinesthetic empathy as you watch these dance films. Just take a moment to orient yourself in the space that you're in, looking around the room, ceiling, floor, windows, doors, just understanding where you are spatially, if you're outside, taking in any sounds, 
or factors in your environment to just orient your nervous system to understand where you are in space. And if it feels safe and comfortable to do so, just go ahead and close your eyes. Elongate your inhales and exhales. Not necessarily a deep breath, but just inhale slightly longer than you normally would. And exhale slightly longer than you normally would. Just interrupting your natural breath cycle, slowing your breath down. And then starting with a body scan at the crown of your head, just sensing the very top of your head, seeing if you can sense the presence or non-presence of any hair, the weight of your hair with air against your head. And then sensing your skull Seeing if you can feel where your skull is in space physically, picturing it mentally, knowing where your cheekbones are, your jaw, where your skull meets your spine. Seeing if you can sense the weight of your brain being held by your skull your eyes resting in the sockets, relaxing your tongue, softening the front of your throat, and then moving your awareness down your cervical spine into the tops of your shoulders, feeling width across your collarbones then your collarbones and your shoulder blades rest against your rib cage and your rib cage stacked over your pelvis arms hanging long out of the shoulder sockets sensing where your arms and hands are in space if there's folds at your elbows feeling the weight of the bones in your hands And coming back to your rib cage, sensing the presence of your heart being held by your lungs, your lungs expanding and contracting in your rib cage with each breath. Moving down your abdomen, feeling the presence of your organs being held by the bowl of your pelvis, taking a few breaths, thinking of breathing between the spaces of your organs. And as you exhale, try to soften into those spaces, soften the tissues of your organs. Feeling like your organs are like small water balloons just being held by the bowl of your pelvis. And then sensing the weight of your pelvis and your sit bones 
beneath you, each pelvic half, yielding to gravity, being held by whatever you are seated on, and sensing the fold at your hips, letting the muscles of your thigh soften off the bone, folds at your knees, presence of your kneecaps, weight pouring down your shins into your ankles, dispersing throughout your feet, and just sensing all the small bones in your feet and all the spaces between them. And then just picturing all of these layers at once, sensing the presence of your bones, your muscles, your organs, your soft tissues, your fluids. Picturing the mental map of what you know your body to look like and all the components of it, and then sensing the experience of all of those components integrated all at once. Taking a few elongated breaths into the awareness of that integrated self. Inhale, creating space, and then exhale, just yielding to gravity, feeling support of your bones, support of the seat beneath you. And then taking a moment to just observe what you're experiencing in your body. Honoring whatever sensations are coming up. If there's feelings of softness or relaxation, or even if there's feelings of anxiety or heart racing, all of those things are valid because they're what you're experiencing. But just observing if you have a slightly heightened sense of your sensory or felt experience and body. And then as you feel ready, just gently blink your eyes open and gradually reorient yourself back into the space. But if your sensory experience of your physical body is heightened, try to bring that heightened sensory awareness with you as you reorient yourself back into the space. So maybe there's instead of 60% oriented visually and 40% oriented bodily, maybe try to stay 60% body sensing and just 40% sight. And again, just take in some of your surroundings or sounds. And instead of just seeing them or hearing them, notice how you feel them or how they feel throughout your whole body. And just consider your viewing experience from this lens of a body-oriented awareness. Again, honoring whatever experiences come out without 
judging the intellectual qualifications of what you are perceiving, but instead allowing your body to perceive the experience of your viewing in a felt sense. This is Frameform, hosted by Hannah Weber, Jen Ray, and Claire Schweitzer. Episode edited by the Frameform team, with social media support from Maddie Leitner and music by Mason Carlton. Thanks for listening.